room for a few days with us. Amen. As always, praise God. All right, it's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Everybody's enjoying the nice warm weather. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good infantry weather. Good stuff. Amen. We've been talking about growing in the word of God, growing in the word of God. Amen. First Peter chapter two, verse one and two. Wherefore, lay aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Amen. And we have seen the value and the importance of the word of God is to our lives. The Bible tells us in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Amen. The same was in the beginning of God. And the Word was made flesh. It dwelt amongst us and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, last week we were looking about learning the Word and the reason why we should hide the Word of God in our heart. Amen. Colossians 3.16, that Christ may would dwell in you richly. Amen. Because God is the word. So the more of him that the word we hide in our heart, the more the word of God we memorize and meditate on and hide, the more Christ is going to be there with us. Amen. And the word of God, you want to have the word of God deep within you because it's through the power of the word of God that we can stand. We find hope. Amen. One of the things that I have found about the Word of God in, in the Bible for myself is I like reading the Bible through because there's all these great stories to help me. You know, it, it shows me what others has already gone through and others has faced and how God was with them and brought them through. And so it encourages me. Now, I will agree that being a soldier, a lot of times I get into the wars, I get bogged down with tactics and, 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 and strategizing how I would fight, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and that's good too because I know there's an enemy out there, as Paul tells us, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against prince. But, so I need to know how to defeat this enemy as well. And so the stories are there, they help me to grow. So I try to hide the word of God in my heart, amen, constantly. Uh, one of my goals is always try to memorize chapters of the Bible and, you know, and I practice it and you wake up in the middle of the night and you find yourself quoting chapters and trying to keep the memorization because if you don't, you'll forget it. <laughs> I would tell you that right now because, you know, but, but it's fun sometimes to, uh, uh, to do that, to try to memorize, you know, 30 or 40 verses in a, in a chapter, you know, and stuff and to see what God is doing. And the more you do it, the more it comes alive and, and energizes you and, and encourage you and strengthen you. Amen. So, but, uh, the word of God is so rich. It is so pure. You know, uh, David writing in Psalms 19, he says, the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. It converts the soul. See, once you get the word of God in you and you're reading the word, then you understand what James began to say is don't just be a hearer, but do a doer of the word. Amen. So you don't deceive yourself. So when we become a doer of the word, what it does is it changes us. 
It converts us. It, it starts to make us more like Christ when we do what he says. So he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure and light in the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean and do it forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and they're righteous altogether. More to be desired, they than gold. Yea, the much fine goes sweeter also than the honey goes. Moreover, by them are your servants warned, and in keeping of them is a great reward. Amen. Heaven is at the other end. Because Jesus says in John 12, 48, he says, I didn't come to judge the world. Amen. But there's one that will judge the word that I've spoken. He said, it will judge you in the last days. In other words, he says, I'm going to be the one <laughs> sitting on the throne because he's the word. Amen. And so he's going to be the judge in the end. He's come to save us now. But there's going to be a judge time. Amen. And so the more of God's word we hide, that's why the book of Revelation says, see that no man steal your crown. You got a crown of glory laid up for you. So you want to keep hiding the word. Meditate on the word. Amen. As Psalms 1 tell you, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of God, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sin and see that it's gone. But it's delight. Is in the law of the Lord, and in the law that he meditate day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the river, should bring forth his fruit and his season, and whatsoever he do it shall prosper. Amen. So you want to get the word deep in you. Amen. So our, our, how our attitude towards the word of God is, is so important. Amen. A proper attitude open our understanding. When I have a love for the things of God, you know that's what the psalmist says: "Open thou my." Eyes that I may behold the wonders out of thy law. I want to have a proper attitude towards God and the things of God. You know, I want to have a pure heart and a pure mind. That's why David said, creating me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit. Why? Because God desires truth where? In the inward parts. And in the hidden parts will you make me to know wisdom. So we want to have the right attitude when we come. Amen. And if you notice, the Lord added to his church daily. In Acts 2, the first thing they says is they, they, when they heard the word of God, they received it. And as a result of that, it made a difference. Our attitudes. Amen. We got the right attitude. That means our heart is right and we'll be receptive to the word of God. Amen. So tonight we want to move on and talk about loving the word of God, loving the word of God number two. If we love God, we will love His word. As we read and re, as we read and reread the promises of God in His word, it reinforces our confidence in God and pulls us out of doubt into to the realm of faith and into the presence of God. Jesus says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." And the ability to grow in, in God is we have to love the things of God. It, you know, it's, I wrote a few things down here. You can never grow in what you do not love. You can never grow in what you do not love. Marriage can never grow where there is no love. Gardens do not grow where there is no love. Amen. That's why Jesus asked Peter three times in John 21. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? More than these. And I think he was probably pointing to those 
153 fishes that Peter had just pulled into the shore, you know, because Peter was a fisherman, you know, and that was his whole trade and that was his whole life, you know, and he was out fishing, you know, here is Jesus that died and resurrected and they're kind of disheartened. And then if you notice, Peter says, I'm going fishing. You know, I'm going back to doing what I've always done. And you notice in Revel and John chapter 21, if you want to go there real quick, John 20, chapter 21, let's drop down to verse 15, John 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Amen. Three times. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? You know, do you really love God? You know, Peter had denied God three times, so I think that might have been why he asked him three times. You know, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. In other words, if you love me, Peter, get involved. Share the truth. Serve. Amen. Share the gospel with the others, the children, the adults, everybody you come in contact with, Peter, because true love will cause you to serve. It'll cause you to, to get involved. Amen. And so we see here the gardens don't grow. That's why Solomon says in Proverbs 24, he says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And what happened? It was all grown over. Let's go to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, 24. See if we can pull some wisdom out of this rock. Verse 24, drop down to verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and needles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall there was broken down. Then I saw and considered well. I looked upon it and received instruction. He had a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Notice, slothfulness. He says, you know, if you're lazy, this is what's going to happen. Your field is going to overgrow. You know, the wall is going to fall down. See? So therefore, we can learn here to be diligent. We need to take action to be diligent. You know, gardens, if a, a person is a gardener, they will tell you, you got to get the weeds out. <laughs> you know, ain't it amazing that the thorns and thistles and the weeds seem to grow the fastest? You know, <laughs> so you have to be diligent. So if you want a pretty garden, 
you got to get out there and pull it out. I, I notice here, you know, that we didn't have a, a that what do you call those things? Those milkweeds, you know, in my backyard, I have pulled more of those things out. I don't know where in the world they have come from. I mean, I am, and somebody said, leave them alone, they're for the butterflies. <laughs> I, don't, I, I want them gone. <laughs> I mean, those things, I mean, they, they prick you and they just itch and, you know, and it just is nuisance, you know. And so here I am, I'm out there and I mean, and I try to pull the whole root out. Cause if you don't pull the root out, it's gonna come right back up again. And I mean, and the roots of those things are so long. You know, and I'm just pulling and pulling and pulling. And I think, man, I look back and I think, man, they're all gone. I go out there the next day and that stupid thing right back up again. <laughs> so, so, but, but we must be diligent. Amen. If we love gardening, then we're going to have a pretty garden. If we love farming, we're going to have a pretty farm. Amen. Whatever we love is going to grow. Amen. If we love the Word of God, we're going to grow in the Word of God. If we love church, we're going to grow in church. Amen. And so this is key. You see, love is a lifestyle. The way we live reveals how much we love God. Jesus says in, in John 13, 12 through 17, as he had washed the disciples' feet, amen, he turned to them and he says to them, I have given you an example and happy are you if you know these things, that the servant is not greater than his Lord or his master. See? And so therefore, love is a lifestyle. Because God is a lifestyle. And so therefore, if we hide his word in our heart, amen, as Jesus says, we will grow. Amen. Our lives shall be a reflector of Jesus Christ. Because John, First John 4, 8 tell us that what? God is love. Say, God is love. And so therefore, if God is love, and I love God, and I love God's word, then my life should be a reflection of that word. That word have I hid in my heart, so that I will not sin against thee. Amen. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. I've come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. See, so the lifestyle, where my heart is, I mean, my treasure is, that's where my heart is going to be. Amen. So I want to have this lifestyle of Christ. This is why Paul, if you notice 1 Corinthians 13, Paul starts 1 Corinthians 13. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become as what? Son and brass or tickling symbol. Though I have the gifts of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge and though I have all faith so I can remove mountains and I have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profited me nothing. Charity is long-suffering or suffer it long and is kind. Charity envy not. Charity is not vaunt. Not is, is not vaunt. <laughs> Not itself. It's not puffed up. Amen. Notice here. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seek it not its own. It's not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. 
Rejoiceth not in iniquity, it rejoiceth in the truth. It beareth all things, it believeth all things, hopeth all things. Love never fails. Notice, it's a lifestyle. This is what he's trying to get us to see in this 13th chapter. That love is a lifestyle. The greatest gift is love. See? So, out of all the gifts, love is the greatest. Because God is greatest. Nothing is greater than God. See? So, he's saying if we don't have love, then tongues will cease. Prophecies will fail. You know, knowledge is going to vanish away. See? So therefore, we've got to have this lifestyle of love. See? Because God is love. And if Christ is in you, as Jesus says, you become in Matthew 16, I mean 5, 16, 13 through 16, you're salt and light. See? Salt and light. Both of those things changes. Light gets you out of darkness. And salt preserves you. See? So your lifestyle should be a reflection of Him because love is in you. In 1 John 3.10, John says, In this is manifest the children of God and the children of the devil. He that doeth not righteousness is not of God, nor he that loveth not his brother. See? So... And that's why John, that whole uh, fourth chapter of 1 John 4, he's trying to get us to see if God is love. And if I say I love God, then I need to love my brother. See, because love is a lifestyle. Because my life must be a reflection of Christ. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When you look at scriptures, all the, all the things Jesus is doing in the gospel is leading us to that salvation, but he's showing that through compassion and passion and love for the loss. That's why Moses it was reiterating to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 and 8. He says, God didn't set his love upon you because you were more numbered than anybody. He says, God loved you. See? And think about it. As the writer said, love it. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. See? My life must be a reflection. See, that's why I said at the onset, the stories in the Bible should help us to not be bitter. It should help us to not be angry. It should have us with a heart of forgiveness. All the things that God says, it should be easy for us to do because of this lifestyle. We are risen, as we have seen, to do what? Walk in newness of life. When we are born again of the water and the spirit, the old man has passed away and behold, all things become new. And as I said Sunday, we are plenty as, what is it? Potentiaries? <laughs> Plenty is potential. Yeah, plenty is potentiary, full of power. <laughs> Amen, as Brother Art Wilson told us. Amen. We're ambassadors for Christ. Say, we're full of power. Say, because God is in us. And so if He's in us, then love should be in us. 
Amen. So love is a lifestyle. Love is an obligation. Love is an obligation. And that's why First John 4, 11, beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. We have an obligation now to love other people. Say, when I get married, I have an obligation. <laughs> My spouse has an obligation. We have children, we got an obligation. You know, if I get hired at a job, I got an obligation. See, I make a vow, I got to keep that vow. See, because love never fails. <laughs> See, so I've got to follow through because it's my lifestyle. I've got an obligation here. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue and be not forgetful to entertain strangers for whereby some have entertain angels unaware, see? And so, therefore, I have this obligation. In Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 33, Ephesians 5, husbands and wives here, you know, Ephesians 5, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to her own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Look at the obligations. We both have obligations here. Submission, amen, for protection, submission for provision. That's what it is. You know, when I love you, it's not going to be, you know, I'm over you. You do what I say. No. No. Love. We're submitted to one another. <laughs> See? That's why, we, that's why, if you look at verse 21, he tells you right at the onset, submit yourselves one to the other in the fear of God. See, a lot of people like to just jump quickly on verse 22. They forget 21. You know, we have to submit to each other in this marriage. We come underneath each other. You know, sometimes I'm going to be in charge. Sometimes she's going to be in charge. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you see how it works? We have to submit to each other. I'm accountable to her. She's accountable to me. That's submission with love. It's not I'm dominant over you because I'm a male and you're a female or whatever. No. We're submitted to each other. And what? Respect for God. We fear God. We're respectful of God. Here he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And say, therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husband and everything. Husband, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it by what? The washing of the water of the word. Amen. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. You know, get a little cologne here and there, you know. Get cleaned up. 
I'm just messing with you. Amen. He that loveth his wife, what? Love himself. Think about it. The way I treat her is how I'm going to treat me. See? So, love her the same way that I love myself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nurture it and cherish it, even as the Lord, the church. See, love calls you to do things. You know, if I like to look good, if I like to be clean and looking good, I need to do stuff to make my wife clean and look good. Because you know? we're one. She, re- she represents me. And I represent her. See? So we've got to do these things. That's why I always tell folks, you know, when you get married, it's each other's responsibility to make the other one look better. You know, to edify, to build up, to encourage, to strengthen. I know sometimes you may say things that you really don't want to say, and a lot of times it's because you don't think before you act. <laughs> but as James says, my brother, that ought not to be. <laughs> and I'm working on it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, but notice here, but we are members of his body. And of his flesh and of his bones. We're all part of Christ here. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave, or shall be joined to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Say, we were just talking a little bit about this downstairs earlier in Matthew. This is a great mystery, Paul says, but I, I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence or respect her husband. Amen. So we see it is an obligation we have. That's why when we get married, we say, I solemnly swear, you know, to love you to the day I die. So you just took an obligation. That's why it's called vows. (laughs) So we're obligated to follow through with these things. So that God will be seen in it all. Amen. And so love for the word calls us to have an obligation. Love also vivify. In other words, it enlivens. It brightens. It Quicken us, us. Think about it. Vivify. V-I-V-I-F-Y. Vivify. Vivify. Right. To brighten, to enliven, to build up. And, and so, you stop and think about the person you love. When you walk, when you was dating, according, and as soon as you saw him, what happened? You go into the cheese mode. You know, you get excited. Oh, I just can't wait to see you. Oh, I love you so much. Think about it. That's what love does. See? And it should be the same way with Christ. Paul says, you who is dead in your trespasses and sin have you quickened together with Christ. By grace are you saved. 
See, he brought us up. He enlightened us. Amen. Peter says, amen, you are what? A chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him which has called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. See, you are to be enlightened. You are to be encouraged, edified, built up, strengthened. Amen. In this thing, we are, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3, we are lively hope. And because we are lively hope, that means we are lively stones. Amen. So as lively stone, we should be rocking and rolling. <laughs> Amen. So we need to be encouraging and edifying. Love quickens us. Love gives us life. Amen. So we need to be quickened and alive and brightened because Christ is in us. The joy of the Lord. Notice, is the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Amen. So we should have this joy in us constantly. Sing unto the Lord. That's why Paul says, Amen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, what? Richly singing to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. See? If you get in the habit of showing forth and praising what you love, it's going to make all the difference. As Psalms 113 says, praise you the Lord. Praise all your servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. What? The rising of the sun? Because they're going down at the same. Amen. And this time forevermore, the Lord's name is to be praised, right? For the Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who's like the Lord our God on high, who humbled himself to behold the things in heaven and earth, who raised the poor out of the dust, who lifted the needy out of the dumb, he and made himself with his princes, even the princes of his people, who make the barren wound to keep house and be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Get in the habit of praising God. He's your love. That's why Songs of Solomon, you know, what is my beloved more than another beloved? You ever read the Song of Solomon? It's a love story. He's looking for his lover. Amen. We should constantly be seeking him, looking for him. Seek ye the Lord, why he may be found. Call upon him why he's near. See, so we need to be enlightened constantly. Love is here. And with that love, you should be edified. You should be lifted up. Amen. Love edifies. It lifts up. Amen. We are com- we're commanded, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we're commanded to comfort ourselves together and to edify one another. What else thou? Yeah, I think the scripture asked that question, doesn't it? What else is thou? You know, God is asking, what's wrong? You know, what is what is David says in Psalms 42? As the deer pants for the heart, water brook, so my soul, and for thee, O Lord. You know, and notice he starts talking to us, what's wrong with you? Why are you disquieted? Why are you cast down? 
He said, don't you trust in God? <laughs> you know, he said, what's the matter with you, soul? You know, yeah. but if, if you ever read Psalms 13, he, as I said Sunday, he's asking questions. He says, oh, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? You know, he says, how long are you going to hide your face from me? You know, and he says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul and sorrow in my heart daily? He says, how long shall my enemies be exalted over me? You know, he says, consider this, God, and hear, <laughs> you know. He says, enlighten my eyes, lest I what, sleep the sleep of death. And lest my enemies prevail against me, and they that trouble me rejoice when I'm removed. He says, but God, I trust in your mercies, and I'm going to rejoice in your salvation. He says, I will praise the Lord, or I will sing unto the Lord. Why? Because he's dealt bountifully with me. In other words, God is just pouring it out. You know, he's questioning God. God, how long? You know, but he says, I got to get myself together here. (laughs) I got to, I need to realize God is still good and I need to start praising him for his salvation and all that. See, that's the thing you got to get to because I love him. See, and so no matter what I'm going through, no matter he, he may not be operating on my timeline, he's still good. He's still dealing bountifully with me. He's still making a way where there seemed to be no way. He's still opening doors that I thought was closed. Say, he's working. You know, as the song says, when I can't see him, he's working. (laughs) And I can't feel him, he's working. Because Scripture says he'll work if we let him. Amen. So, Amen. We we gotta we got to edify. We got to build up. Peter, I mean Paul, right into the church of Philippi in the second chapter of Philippians, he says, "If there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any second, I mean Philippians chapter two, verse one, he says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if there be any." Fellowship of the Spirit. If there be any bowels of mercy, he says, you fulfill my joy. You know, having the same love and being in the same mind. You know, think about it, you know. Is there any consolation? Is there, here he says, is is there any kind of encouragement? Is there a kind of exhortation, you know, in Christ? He says, use it. You know, is there any comfort in love? Can you solace and, you know, do all these great things here? Amen. Is, is, do you have the ability to persuade someone to love God more? You know, comfort, you know, comfort the comfortless. Put your arm around somebody. Is there, is there any abilities in there to, to do it? Cause see, that's what love does. Is it sees the hurting and it reaches out and it hugs. It builds up, it edifies. Is there any fellowship 
Amen. It's during the fellowship. In the bowels of mercy. Any compassion? Fulfill you my joy. Make me happy, Paul says. Amen. See, so this is what, and then he goes on in verse 5, he says, let this mind be in you. Which is also where? In Christ Jesus. Amen. Who thought it not robbery to be with God? Amen. Let the same mind that be in Christ be in you because the Word have the mind of Christ. WWJD. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Get that same mindset. He's in you. How would Jesus handle this situation? How would Jesus handle this circumstance? What would Jesus do? See? Because the Word tells us just how much He loves us here. See? is is what is transpiring. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Lamentations 3, when you look at Lamentations 3, Jeremiah says, you know, he says, when I have all these things in my memory, it's in, I'm humble. He says, then I call to mind and, and I, and I'm, and I'm courage that it's of the Lord's mercy that I'm not consumed because his compassion fell not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. God is faithful. His compassions cease. They fail not. See? And so therefore, because of His love, His Word tells me of His love towards me. For God so loved me. God cares. Amen. He was willing to go to Calvary for you and I. That's love. He hung Him high. He scratched Him wide. He hung His head for me. He died. That's love. Amen. Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Paul says in Romans 5, 5, amen. Scarcely for a righteous man would some even dare to die, but Christ commended his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What love. What love. Amen. Amen. Verse 5, 7. Christ died for us. Amen. We have, because He was willing, now we have access by that same Spirit, that same Holy Ghost into Christ. If you read Romans 5, you know. And, and that's why Paul would write in, in the 8th chapter, There is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the laws of sin and death. See? Then he asks you at the end of that eighth chapter, verse 35 through 39, what do you say? Who should separate me from what? The love of Christ. Shall tribulations, shall distress, shall persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep. Unto the slaughter. Nay. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him that love us. 
For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. See, so the word tells us of his love. And it does what? It points us to salvation. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, salvation is being spread abroad. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here little, there little. The stories is all about. From the creation story, light out of darkness, pulling us out, being the same kind. That's why you look at the trees. They was the bear after their kind, you know. Notice how it all starts, how it all flows. Amen. Is what God is trying to show us, the plan of salvation. When he covered Adam and Eve in the garden for their sins, the type and shadow, we know, of the new birth process that begins to take place all the way through, leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. All about salvation, the plan of salvation. You go back. You just keep rolling it all the way to Calvary. You know, and even today, that's what the whole book is all about. Eternal salvation. Amen. And that's what God wants. He wants us to love this truth. Loving the truth of the word is not an option if we want to be saved. It is mandatory. Amen. Here. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 15. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpent. They drink any deadly thing. Shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Who have believed our report? Isaiah said in Isaiah 53. For he shall grow up before them as a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. When we see him, there's no beauty we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men. We hid as our face from us. Him. Surely he hath bared our grief and cures our sorrows. And we did esteem him smitten and stricken of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our pieces upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Are we like sheep is gone astray and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. Amen. He's oppressed and afflicted. Amen. Yet open he not his mouth. He's led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep dumb before his shears, so open he not his mouth. He's taken from prison and judgment. And who shall declare his generation? And for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the, the wicked and rich and their death. Because he had no violence, and neither was God found that seat found in his mouth. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and to put him to open grief when he's made his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and prolong his days, and the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Amen. And he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Amen. And by 
his righteous servant shall many be justified. And he shall bear the iniquities of many. And I will divide with him a portion with the great. And he shall divide a portion with the strong. When he's poured out his soul to death, for he was numbered with the transgression, he shall bear the sins of many when I have made him an intercessor for the transgressors. Amen. All about salvation. All about salvation. The word points us to salvation. It points us to Christ. For neither is there salvation in any other, Acts 4.12. But there is none other name in the heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. Amen. It points us to him. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted as God with us. Amen. Praise God. We are born again of this water and spirit. Amen. Baptism, Peter said, that now save us, not the removing of the filth of the flesh, but as an answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The word points us to salvation. It was written to the point that John says, amen, these things are written that you might believe. And John 20, verse 30, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And believing you might have what? Eternal life. Amen. Precept just a little bit. He gives you just enough. You know, people ask all kinds of questions sometimes. This, 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 this. John says, no, I just, God just gave you enough to whet your appetite. (laughs) And so you believe. See? People says, where did Cain get his wife from? Well, read the fourth chapter of Genesis. You'll find out. You know, where he got him from. You know, that's, that's the key. There's only little pieces here or there. But precept has got to be precept, line upon line, line upon line. That's why you got to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs to not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See? That's why I want you to read your Bibles through every year because you're going to find the rest of the story. See? Because the first three chapters is kind of like talking about creation. And then you'll find in the fourth and fifth chapters, as you begin to read, you'll see that so-and-so begot so-and-so, and he lived 900 years and has sons and daughters, you know. <laughs> so you find out that, you know, all this stuff was happening at the same time here. So, you know, so that's where King got his wife from. <laughs> it tells you that when you get over there and start reading all that stuff, okay? Yeah. Why, why you, why you have one wife? <laughs> oh, you know, as Jesus said, wasn't that way to start with? <laughs> I gave one guy, one woman. <laughs> you want trouble in the camp? <laughs> Go ahead and get you more. Ask Solomon. <laughs> Ask David. Ask him what happens. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. Yes. As Abraham, when you don't listen. Amen. But the word is designed to point us to God. Number C, the word is a deterrent to sin. 
Thy word, Psalms 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. The problem today is in the world is there's no more deterrence. There's no more deterrence anymore to stop people from sinning. See, when I was a young kid and go back, you know, they had guys out there on the chain gang, pinstripe suits, you know, with, with shackles around their legs and their hands, and they was in a truck, chained in the back of the truck, and they bring them, and then they get them out, and then they still had shackles around the legs, and they'd be out there, and a couple of guys had bush hooks, and they'd be cutting down the ditch banks, and doing all kinds of stuff and then there was other guys with shovels and they was digging the ditches they so the water could run down the ditches and they cleaning up and so when you saw all these guys and some guys standing out there with a shotgun you know it, it was a deterrent for you not to do wrong police officers used to be a deterrent you know to not steal and speed and all that but they ain't deterrent anymore because they people don't do anything anymore. You used to go to school, you know. Uh, when I went to school, there was a whole lot of deterrent. <laughs> you know, I, I'm telling you, on the school bus we had safety patrols, and if they took your name for jumping up and down in your seat, Miriam, and on the school bus, and they turned your name in, and you'd be sitting in the class having a good time, and the principal shows up and. I'd never forget Mr. Daniel Dix. He had a stick about this long, and on the end, he had a belt on the end of that stick. He called it Betsy, and he folded over and he carried it inside of his blazer pocket. And he would come to the classroom, and he says, I understand a few of the children don't like to sit down on the school bus. Uh, could be endangering of other people's lives, and so they need to have a little lesson. Rufus Parker. <laughs> he have a chair. He put it in front of the classroom. You come, you sit here like this. He pull out old Betsy. He get over here and give you a pow, pow, pow. Give you some licks on your legs. You know, you just hope you wore your long pants that day. You know, but it was deterrent from not doing wrong. Even at home, your parents told you to sit down, be quiet, or whatever. It was a deterrent because you got a spanking. If you didn't, it was deterrence in the house. You know, I can remember one time, you know, we, we stole some strawberries. Guarantee you it was the last time I ever do that. Listen to my cousin. You know, we stole some, we were supposed to be picking the strawberries to sell them. You know, to make some money. My cousin says, hey, let's take them home. We took the strawberries, went home with them. You know, walked through the woods, thought we was getting away. You know, sitting there, you know, my parents pulling the things off the end of the strawberry. Here, knock on the door. Cousin came and says, hey, see, you guys got some strawberries. Yeah, the boys run. Did they tell you where you got them? And you can hear a pin drop. My mother said, what do you mean where they got them? They stole those strawberries. My mother says, what? You did what? (laughs) 
See, she gave my cousin the money to go pay for them, but I guarantee you, she wore me out. Talking about deterrent. <laughs> you know. But they, but there isn't any deterrence hardly anymore. See? But we have been given a deterrent. The Word of God is for us to teach us, to show us. Because there's consequences to every decision that we make. Amen. And so, therefore, we need to follow the Word of God so that we don't sin. Amen. It keeps us clean. That's what David is saying here. Amen. When the mind is saturated with the Word, which contains the will and the plan of God, a person becomes powerful enough to resist sin. There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. His word won't let you be tempted above that you are not able to bear. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape. Let God's word lead you. Let God's word direct you. Put it in your heart. It'll keep you. Wisdom. Notice what it says. Discretion will keep you. Understanding will guide you. Amen. This is what the word of God is designed to do, is to keep us from sin. Amen. If we follow it and do it, we can avoid the problems and, and troubles that we face in our lives. Amen. Because that's the deterrent. Even though the world don't have any, we still have one. That's why we're commanded to do what? Put on the whole armor of God that you're able to stand against the wilds of the devil. For we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness. Put on your armor every day. Lawrence, go to about with truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith for which you're able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked. Heaven of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance for all saints. Amen. The word is a deterrent for us. Amen. It gives stern warnings against sin. That's why Isaiah 1, verse 16 and 18, the Lord says, come now. He says, let's reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they be as red as crimson, they should be as wool. Amen. He says, let's talk about it. Get in the word. Amen. So that it will deter you from doing wrong. Amen. Knowing that God is watching you, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth. Amen. Born again believers, we shouldn't be struggling with sin because we know God is looking. He's going to turn you in. <laughs> if not, the devil is. <laughs> Amen. We got to stay strong. We got a deterrent here. Let it be the word of God. That's why Solomon tells us in the book of Ecclesiastics, I think it might be chapter 8 somewhere. He said, though a man, the wicked sin a hundred times, you know, he lives a hundred years. See, he's not getting away. <laughs> he still got the answer. Amen. The word of God is a deterrent for us. Amen. Let it deter us from doing wrong. Amen. The greater love we can develop in life is a love for God and His Word. Amen. And we know what Romans 6 says. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. 
No, you're not. So many of us have been baptized in Jesus Christ. We've been baptized in death. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. We got a deterrent. The word is designed to teach you to do right all the time. Greater love has no man than this. Amen. And a man to lay down his life. So God's word shows us his love. It leads us to salvation and it deter us from all our sins. Amen. Praise be to God. Amen.